0: Happy National Origami Day!
1: Hello, and welcome back to the 8th episode of the What Happened Today in History podcast.
0: Yay!
1: Yay. I'm really excited. I know. I
0: literally stay up until, like, 1am researching. (laughs) 1am? I stayed up until, like, 11. I was
1: very time efficient yesterday. Yeah, I wasn't. You were watching way too much TV. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, do you want to start with National Origami Day? Yeah, sure. Okay.
0: Okay, so, unfortunately, the origin of National Origami Day is, like, unknown, but most of us know that it, like, started in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, its original name is Orikata, and started as early as 105 AD. So, paper used to only be available to, like, wealthy families and people who could, like, afford it. And when they sent letters, they also sent, like, complicated, like, folded paper with it mm-hmm. to show, kind of, like, how rich they were and how, like, they could afford it. So, it was, like, the symbolism of, like... How yeah, well yeah, your family was. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, once paper became, like, more available and affordable to, like, everyone, mm-hmm. it became, like, more, like, known for weddings, birthdays, and ceremonies. And so origami only requires paper, while its cousin, Kirigami, allows scissors, glue, and paper. So Lillian Oppenheimer introduced origami to the U.S. and Great Britain, but, mm-hmm. like, she didn't, like, officially started it. But yeah, like, she just, yeah. like, introduced yeah, it. yeah. And she actually has started Origami Organizations, and it still exists today. One of them, like, known as Origami USA. So you can go check it out if you're interested.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, my first fact is that in 1933, a
1: major dust storm swept across much of South Dakota's nutrition-dense topsoil. Wow. (laughs) So that sounds very specific, but I'll explain. So due to the severe drought South Dakota had suffered... Uh, This rich topsoil that, like, usually comes on... It's, like, soil that comes on top of land from, oh, like, rivers okay. and stuff. And so this rich topsoil gave hope to farmers because that's, like, the best soil to use yeah, to, grow to grow stuff. Crops so much, stuff. like, nutrients, mm-hmm. isn't it? But unfortunately, by the end of the two-day-long, like, windstorm... Most of the topsoil, if not all, had been left with dust. And oh. the wind pushed the soil far and wide, and even the dust made it all the way to Albany, New York, from South mm. Dakota. Wow. And this is one of a series of dust storms that occurred during the Dust Bowl between 1930 and 1936. And the number of dust storms that distributed precious topsoil ultimately affected agriculture within the United States because without good topsoil, there's no good crops Yeah, and there's yeah, no good yeah. food. And thousands of farmers and their families were forced to leave their homes since their land carried no fertile soil. And people had to stay indoors since there was a lot of dust outside, and that caused a stop to wow. society. And this is kind of similar to a more recent event, the COVID, in which millions of people worldwide had to quarantine at like, their own home in them. order to reduce the spread of the virus. So, wow. we kind of know what it felt like for them, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with a combination of the drought and the dust storms, this ultimately led to the Great Depression. Wow. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> okay, your
0: turn. Okay, so in 1971, an experiment conducted by Japanese government scientists to, like, see how landslides are created mm-hmm. went horribly wrong. This disaster injured three seriously out of the nine people and killed 15 people from the mass of mud and boulders. So four of the dead people were members of the government's science and technology agency, and they were, like, trying to find the cause of landslides because in Japan it was a common way of death. Yeah, there was a lot of, There's a lot... Yeah. Of, still now there's a lot of mudslides. Yeah, but sadly they were killed in the process. So others... Were news officials and observers that were not like anticipating like the larger and more mobile uh, landslide because like they weren't expecting to see like either. crazy like
1: you yeah know, they gotta be smaller more controlled
0: and all of them were buried under debris and then wow. they died.
1: That's insane. That's so sad though. They were I trying know. to like
0: they're trying yeah. to like help the cause, but then yeah, but then they died. Yeah. That's so sad. Okay
1: okay my next one is on november 11th 1865 mary edward walker was inducted a u.s medal of honor and this is the first woman to ever receive this award
0: oh wow
1: yeah so she was a surgeon during the u.s civil war a feminist a suspected spy and remains to be the only woman even now to have a medal of honor um really? yeah is that even now it's crazy so out of 3,518 recipients of the award, she's the only female. So, I mean, this, that's a sad statistic. Yeah. And as a young girl, her parents were non-traditional in their times, as they allowed Mary to wear simple t-shirts and trousers, which wasn't really, like, socially acceptable at the time. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, She, along with her six siblings, were taught to be free thinkers and to question everything and anything in their life. Wow, her parents are... Pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah. So she attended medical school and shortly after married fellow medical student Albert Miller. Unsurprisingly, she wore trousers to a wedding, ignoring the traditional wedding dress, and received lots of criticism from other family members and strangers. She later divorced him. but um, And then after that, she was expelled from the Bowen Collegiate Institute in Hopkinton, Iowa, because she refused to leave the debate team after they told her it was a male-only team. So she was on the team, but they are like, you have to leave because you're a female. But she wow. didn't, so she was expelled. And eventually, she signed up to be a surgeon in the U.S. Civil War, but was denied access. Still, she proceeded and went to fight. I don't know how she did it, but she went in. And um, she was later imprisoned and stayed four months in a notorious Castle Thunder prison. So she was not Was it captured. because of, like... Oh, she- no, no, she was captured. Oh, I yeah. see. And when she returned home, she was awarded a disability pension after severing muscular atrophy. It's a, like a form of muscle loss after mm. her time in prison. And um, after which, President Andrew Johnson signed a bill that allowed Mary, as a female, to receive the U.S. Medal of Honor.
0: Oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah,
1: and it was later revoked from her from 1916, oh. but it was reinstated in her name in 1977.
0: No, <laughs> and as
1: I like to say, she is a <laughs> hashtag girl boss. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, you go. All right. So, November eleventh, nineteen nineteen, was the date when Armistice Day was created and officially seen as an international holiday. Mm. So, the first armistice day was held at Buckingham Palace on the evening of November tenth and the morning of like November eleventh nineteen nineteen and that was actually the first time there was a two minute moment of silence as a mark of respect for those who died in the war or were left behind mm-hmm. so it basically it was the first anniversary of the end of World War One mm-hmm. and it was declared a national holiday in many allied nations. But now, many Western countries have changed its name from Armistice Day to Remembrance Day, and for the U.S., Veterans Day. Mm -hmm. So, in the U.S., during the year 1926, Congress passed a resolution for an annual observance, which became a national holiday in 1938. Mm -hmm. So, this day occurs on November 11th to celebrate the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, that signaled the end of World War I. Mm-hmm. It commemorates the veterans of all the wars and everyone who has sacrificed and served their country. Wow. So, happy Armistice Day, or, or Remembrance Day, or Veterans Day. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so another fact containing feminism also
1: occurred on November 11th.
0: Oh wow, so, November yeah, it's 11th Yeah, a cool pretty cool day. Yeah. <laughs> so, in
1: 1992, the Church of England held a vote that allowed women to be obtained as priests. This was a major change in this church. As for a thousand years, women were not allowed to be priests. Oh, wow. Yeah, in this church. Like, that was, like, the rule. Yeah. And the first female priest would not be obtained until 1994, which was two years after, like, the vote happened, when mm. Angela Berners Wilson was obtained as a priest in the Church of England. Now, there are thousands of female priests all over the world. Uh, Still, there was no vote until women were allowed to be like bishops mm-hmm. and this did not happen until 2014 when libby uh, lane was obtained as the first bishop in
0: the church of england wow Ooh. so th- did this like vote kind of like spark other churches to like allow yeah women to
1: be? it was but oh, there were some already that did yeah allow it. yeah button.
0: yeah but that was like a big one because mm-hmm, the church okay. of england's a pretty yeah church. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay you go Okay, so in 1880, a famous Australian killer, Ned Kelly, was hanged in Melbourne. Mm. So he was born in the year 1854 and died at age 25 in the year 1880. So as a teenager, he was arrested for associating with the bush ranger, Harry Power. So he spent time in prison for different offenses, one for stealing a horse, and he later joined a group. That was known for, like, stock theft. And he... In 1878, he attempted murder on a policeman and was indicted for the crime. Okay. But for for two years, Kelly and his group, like, hid from the police, like, trying not to get caught and stuff. No. But they still, like... Committed crimes. Yeah, committed crimes. Like, they committed a murder on someone. And in 1880, they attempted to derail and ambush a police train, which failed. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of, like... This is when, like, the gang engaged in a final gunfight with the police, where Ned Kelly was the only survivor in the group. Uh-huh. And even though he did survive, he was, like, very severely injured, and he got captured by them. Wow. And so there were thousands of supporters who signed petitions and went to rallies to cancel, like, stop the punishment of Ned Kelly. But even with this, he was sentenced to death by hanging, and his last words were reported to be, such is life. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's very
1: intense. I know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my next fact is about Nat Turner or Nathaniel Turner. So in 1831, he was hanged after leading a rebellion of enslaved African-Americans against their, um, like their owners. He was born on October 2nd, 1800 in Virginia and a son of slaves who were owned by Benjamin Turner. So in 1830 Nathaniel or Nat was sold to slave owner Joseph Travis. And less than a year after being sold, he experienced a solar eclipse, you know, like, yeah, yeah, uh, some, yeah, like yeah. the align mm-hmm. and believed to be a- like believed it was a sign from the heavens so he later told his friends about his experience and started to plan an insurrection and during the rebellion the first target was the travis family in which they murdered the whole family oh and then also 50 other white people in the efforts to stop slavery were also killed and slavery would end in 1865 after a century of being Mm, in the like united states and the insurgents lasted 48 hours until some of the 75 members were shot or captured. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, Turner, like, escaped the police for two months, but was later, like, captured oh. and tried for insurgents and murder. And his tr- trial took place on November 5th, 1831, and six days later, November 11th,
0: he was publicly hanged. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. your turn. So, my next fact isn't, like, anything too bad. So, in 1966, the Gemini Mission 12 was launched. So, it was the 10th and final flight for the Gemini series. Mm -hmm. So, this mission's crew contained Jim Lavelle and Edwin, more commonly known as Buzz Aldrin. So, Mm -hmm. one of this flight's main goals was to conduct three extravehicular activity operations, which is, like, EVA. Fancy word. Yeah, which is which basically means, like, where astronauts perform, like, any activity outside of the spacecraft beyond the Earth's atmosphere. hmm And so Project Gemini had four main goals, like, the entire, like, all the missions combined. Yeah. It was to test an astronaut's ability to fly long-duration missions, mm-hmm. which could be up to two weeks, and to understand how a spacecraft could rendezvous and dock in orbit around the Earth and moon. Uh-huh to perfect re-entry and landing methods mm-hmm. and to finally learn the effects on astronauts from longer space flights. Wow. So Gemini 12 was like a successful mission that lasted about 4 days and was a great ending to Project Gemini. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice to know. Yeah. I know, I love space. And you yeah, do. We both share
1: a great love for space. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so in 1807, Washington Irving, a famous English short story writer, was the first person to ever document Gotham in comparison of NYC. Oh, wow. Yeah. So over the years, New York City has had some very notorious nicknames, such as the Big Apple, the City That Never Sleeps. The city's so nice, they had to name it twice. Because, you know, New York, New yeah, York. Yeah. And, of course, Gotham. So, Irving's world-known short stories, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle, is also where he nicknamed the city in a not-so-flattering way. Mm-hmm. Calling NYC Gotham was more of an insult. Though, like, now, it's a trademark, like, name yeah, for, for New York. Yeah. And when you say Gotham, you usually think of, like, a positive, like, Gotham, Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Uh, later, he and his writing group, Lads of Kilkenny, also trademarked the nickname Knickerbockers, also, like, New York. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, that's really cool. Yeah. And so, additionally, one might recognize Gotham from Gotham City, where Bruce Wayne, aka Batman, Batman. Yeah, <laughs> lives and protects. And so, Katie, here, I have a very serious and interesting question about Batman.
0: Okay, let's go. I know a lot about um, Batman.
1: <laughs> why can't Batman, even with his super cool crime-fighting skills, ever lower Gotham City's crime rate? Why? Because his partner keeps Robin
0: Okay, I finally recovered from that horrible joke. I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. No. <laughs> okay, so this is my last fact, sadly, but it's pretty cool. So sad. All right, go. Okay, so in 1987, Van Gogh's famous painting Irises sold for a record-breaking $53.9 million. Oh. So, the auction it was sold at had a record total of $110 million for the artwork total. So like everything combined, it was $110 million wow. everything that was like sold there. Mm-hmm. So The bidding of Van Gogh's painting was witnessed by an international gathering with about 2,200 people and also had people over the telephone, like, calling in to bid in. Mm -hmm. And so, this painting's first bid started at $15 million and, like, slowly went up by 1 million increments and finally sold to David Nosh, who was buying the paintings for, like, a European agent who is unidentified. Wow. So, like, yeah, he bought it for, like, someone else. Yeah. (laughs) So the painting sold for $49 million, but with a 10% commission, brought its price up to like $53.9 million. Mm -hmm. And then we will also post pictures of the painting on our Instagram, so you can check it out there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is
1: the (laughs) final fact for me and of today's episode. Yep. So, Jim Morrison, member of the world-famous rock band The Doors, was arrested in an airplane for being incredibly drunk. So, though they weren't extremely well-known now, they're, like, known, but not, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Not, like not like the really Beatles famous. or, yeah, like, yeah. Queens and Pink Floyd. Uh, the Doors did stay consistently in the top of the charts for a while in the late 60s. So, Jim Morrison yeah. was the frontman of the band. No pun intended, because frontman of yeah, yeah, yeah. the band <laughs> <laughs> kind of rhymes. <laughs> okay. And most people had heard him once or twice, like, his name, since he's considered a god in rock and roll. Like, a legend, like an icon. Yeah. Oh, wow. And even with the status, he did fall heavily under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So, he had been arrested numerous times for being drunk and out of control. And this even happened once, 30,000 feet in the air.
0: <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So, on November 11th, 1969, Jim Morrison was on a private airplane with a few of his friends to see the Rolling Stones, like, VIP. Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Wow. but he made the not so wise decision of bringing beer along
0: oh yeah
1: so this led to his arrest by none other than multiple fbi agents and was charged (gasps) with drunk and disorderly conduct as well as interfering with the operations of an aircraft
0: wow yeah so that was a pretty good fact to end with yeah Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of the What Happened Today in History podcast, and if you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it with friends and family. Just as a reminder to receive exclusive photos, podcast updates, and
1: overall more content from us, check out our Instagram, and it will be linked in the description below. If you love our podcast and want to support our podcast, please feel free to donate using the link in
0: the description. All money collected from the donations will directly be used to help improve our podcast and help make better future episodes. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, please feel free to contact us using the email down below in the description. And you will also find our sources and more information about the topics we discussed today down below. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and have a historical worthy day.